Welcome to episode 99 of Bonfires of Social Enterprise. Wowee, we're almost at 100. Stay tuned for a great episode 100 coming soon. Thanks for all your loyal support over all these past episodes. And oh, by the way, this is Rami. And we had some fun jumping over to the West Coast to talk with Sherry Lozano of Link to Lift. Sherry discusses her innovative and collaborative idea to use unused spaces in very lifting ways. Be sure to stay tuned until the end for a great song from a Detroit artist. Okay, now first, we have to hear what Natalie has come up with for the fun fuel on this episode. I'm Natalie Hazen, and I'm bringing you this episode's fun fuel. Co-working is everywhere. What is co-working, you ask? It is a work trend of bringing together professionals from across all industries to form interconnected communities. According to the website Mindspace, the concept of a co-working space started in 1995 Berlin with 17 computer enthusiasts and got together in a facility to create a space where people with an interest in computers to gather and collaborate and work in an open environment. Fast Track to 1999 New York City and 42 West 24 opened to offer a work environment with flexible membership options for teams and individuals seeking a workspace. The difference here was that there seldom were any organized community events. In 2005, Brad Newberg from San Francisco launched the first official co-working space, originally referred to as a 9 to 5 group. It was not a huge hit at first, as no one showed up for the first month, but soon interest sparked and co-working took off. Co-working leads to great collaboration. And when I hear the word collaboration, my mind goes to the lyrics of Vanilla Ice's 1990 release of Ice Ice Baby. I hear collaboration and then I start singing, stop, collaborate and listen. And then he goes on to say, if there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Makes me smile every time. Let's jump on over to see who Rami is collaborating with on this episode and what problem they are solving. Okay. I absolutely love Natalie's fun fuels. <laughs> that was so interesting about co-working spaces and now I have the Vanilla Ice song in my head. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up next. All right, well, what a perfect lead into the collaboration that Sherry Lozano has tackled with Link to Lift. Let's drop in on my conversation with Sherry. Sherry, why don't you give us a background about what Link to Lift is? Link to Lift is a company that we developed in response to underutilized space. Seems like we have a ton of buildings that are left unused, and um, we've developed a process where we can create co-working communities, but with a purpose. Let's talk about how you got inspired first to just get everyone caught up to uh, what originally lit your fire, if you will. You know, it's interesting because I never intended to develop a business. Um, it was more a response to an experience that I had as a volunteer going back and forth to international um, help as a volunteer doing international work with communities and then coming back to America, which is so rich and, and realizing that we have needs here and how come with all of the wealth that we have 
in our own country, we still have people in need. And so I just started to be a little curious and like we talk about collaboration, we have resources and what are we, are we really collaborating? Are we really using our resources well to help um, our communities that are um, in the minor? And it was really kind of amazing to me that I could go into a third world country under resource with 25 people from the U.S. I've never met before and go into a language, into a community where I didn't speak the language and we could somehow see, you know, 700 patients a day. We could see high volume and we could work together. So in America, as I started to research this, it was more just sort of curiosity and the response, what I found was, kind of amazing. There's a lot of people that want to do a lot of great things, but I wasn't I didn't I wasn't happy with the way I saw collaboration working and I just thought, you know, we could do better. And Sherry, what did you find some of the main key uh barriers or or maybe just doll out fail points that were reoccurring from what you were observing why it wasn't working? Yeah, you know, what was interesting, the pain points usually were really out of um, people wanting to do good. It wasn't a matter of people not wanting to spend their money um, or or give or people not having heart to do well. It was truly um, just a, a lot of repeated work, a lot of overlap. A lot of not people not realizing that there is something much like their great idea just down the street or next door. Um, I did this kind of boots on the ground. I decided I did, of course, attended conferences and listened to think partners, but I also decided to do just boots on the ground. And by doing boots on the ground, I could walk with um, each different sector channels of influence and see what they were experiencing and then I would take copious notes so I could walk with the family who was being cared for I could walk with the city official I could walk with a faith community and an investor and take notes and what I noticed was that there was a lot of duplicate effort and I, I felt like that was the one takeaway like I, I have to be a part of solving this problem the duplicate effort hit a lot of points. It was the faith community, uh, perhaps the government or civic, uh, and then the beneficiary might be a family or a person. And then what else did you say in there? Because the faith community, government, maybe the family or social mission beneficiary. And and the non the nonprofit and the nonprofit yeah, okay much. yeah it yeah. is and so when you started to so you've got this discovery because I think that a lot of us acknowledge that that is happening how did um, the different groups respond when you started to highlight some of this overlap were they defensive or were they openly looking for a solution that's a good question I think if it comes with mixed mixed response because a, a lot of people, I'm sure, felt the same thing. This was not a new revelation to them, but they're weary, right? And they mm-hmm. they it's like how do you make time to collaborate well? 
So the good thing was as coming in as a neutral convener, kind of coming in with the heart that I just want to help make this better, and I wasn't trying to change the identity of each of the organizations and what they have to bring or even what how they want to do it. I was just trying to find where the common points so that we can really um, reduce overhead, we can reduce duplicate efforts, and increase our impact. And people responded really well to that. Yeah, I bet. Weary, I feel, is a, a, an operative word there. You can see a solution, but when you're just so tired and you're just trying to get to that very next step, changing it even for the better sometimes can feel overwhelming, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. We do have a lot of... And the good thing is good... that... Oh, I'm sorry. I talked over I'm... you by accident. <laughs> Go ahead. That's okay. The good thing is at that point, you have to keep in mind that I was still on my curious journey. So at that point, I wasn't coming in I, as a business. I wasn't, or or even a nonprofit or a program. I was coming in asking questions. So it seemed like for the first time, maybe why I gained some favor in the research was because I really was curious. I did not come with answers. I came to create a conversation. And I think that was really refreshing for the people who at least I spoke with. Yeah. And then now it's it's fully turned into a physical space as of last week, right? June of 2018, right? Um, Link to Lift? Yes. Okay, well, I so what I do is my client has physical space. So in this curious journey, what I realized was space played a role in collaboration. All these people who had weary work and were working in isolation, many times when you get them in the same room, they were more than happy to work together. So when I identified space played a role in collaboration, and yet, almost every time I had a meeting, I was meeting in these big buildings that were empty. Mm. And it just, I found the irony in it. So, yeah, we, we turned the idea, all the research from 2013 to 2000, really 15, 16, I turned it into, okay, how can we repurpose tools that are right at our fingertips? A lot of these people have access to buildings and Co-working is not a new idea, but what if we applied co-working a little more intentionally and either the client is a business person who would like to build an accelerator or um, kind of use technology to your advantage, but what if we dedicate a tenth of that to these this nonprofit collaboration? And so in doing so, I've had been able to run this model of, of how we can do that in almost any space, and it seems to be catching on. Last, You're right. Last week, we opened um, the first center that completely went through all four stages of our company, and it's the Palau Link Center in Portland, Oregon, and what's fantastic about it is it's a co-working Space, but with a purpose. And so the, these uh, tenant partners, they have their own identity, they have their own organization, and yet they have intentional time where they will connect with one another, 
do strategic planning. The, the co-working space, the Palau Link Center, will become a kind of strategic asset. It's almost like I have to be there at least once or twice a week or I'm going to miss something. Mm. I would say that would be the element that's a little bit different than the, the trend on kind of co-working style, which is great. That's, but but link to lift, we're committed towards a little bit more intentional sense of community um, and purpose and and how the workflow is in the space. And for just as a side note, let's give them their website in case they want to look at some of the pictures while you're talking here. It'll be plowlinkcenter.org. And let's spell that for them. And we, P-A-L-A-U-L-I-N-K-S-E-N-T-E-R dot org. Okay, perfect. Perfect, perfect. And there's a lot of pictures on the link to lift dot com website, and that's www.l-i-n-k-2, the number 2, L-I-F as in Frank, T as in Tom, dot com. All right, so just a little side stuff there. If they want to just tune into your pictures while you're <laughs> telling this great story. So let's talk about your program. Um, the Common Good, is it Common Good Collaboration Model? Is that the full name of your program? Yeah, I I mean, for short, we call it the Common Good Collaborator, but okay. it's a process. And so, yeah, it's it's a model. It's a process of four stages. Um, I I like to go in with my client and ask a lot of questions. Usually people have come to me because they've heard that I can help reimagine their space. Um, It's interesting the amount of people who have this dilemma now. You look at retailers, you look at commercial property, church buildings, faith communities, it's kind of a dilemma. What do we do now that technology has allowed us to do so much remotely and we've it's changed the consumer, how they think. And so when people approach me, they use, usually have an idea that they would like to impact their community, whether it's through job or some other way. And so that first process is really important where I just ask a lot of really good questions because I believe that property owner has to really resonate with with the community that they attract the t- you know the co-working space they attract so whatever it is they care about we're going to build something under that umbrella i think it is most it's the highest chance of sustainability when the owner is really behind it we explore um, we explore all the options of what that can look like. And to be honest with you, this is like the funnest part because I approach the Common Good Collaborator like a city. Um, imagine a thriving city and what it takes to have a thriving city and a post office and a gas station and a market and work. And so I, I put that into a building. And so we have a lot of fun just learning what would create a thriving community in your building. And what kind of community do you want that to look like? What kind of culture, ethos, who do you want to impact as a result? And that's really the fun part. And then we get to create it. And I have a network of 
people that we can bring into the conversation. I love using local talent. I think everyone who lives in town could be a part of building this space, architects, design, if there is a budget for that. If not, there are a lot of people that are very creative and they can repurpose space. Um, but if, if the property owner or my client really feels like they want me to bring in the talent, we do have that and we can definitely consult on that. And then we go through just this um, release phase where we say to the client, we've hopefully we have helped create a co-working or shared space environment that a portion, at least a portion of it is dedicated to common good to create greater impact. And here is what the next, here's a strategic plan for the next 12 months. And then we check in with them um, and we help develop that shape that culture of community because it's going to require a new muscle memory than the way people have worked before. Because remember, the way we worked before was very much in silos and very much caused weariness and duplication of effort. But in that same weariness, in the new environment, there's this temptation to go back to this old muscle memory. And so in the release phase, I really like to stick with the client for the first 12 months and make sure they have a good plan on how to create some new muscle. Yeah, that's a great word, muscle memory. Even though it's good for us, we can default back to old things, especially in stressful environments or when challenged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then is, that, is there one more phase after that, or that is just kind There's- of ongoing? Yeah, there's four phases, explore, create, act, and release. I'm sorry, I skipped over act. Explore, create, act. Act is when we actually, you know, we're doing it. We're doing everything we've explored, we've created, talked about, we're we're in action and okay. then release. Okay, gotcha. So, all right, so that's great. Do some discovery, uh, come up with it, uh, put it into place, and then kind of, I'd say put it ongoing monitoring of it all, but I like your word relief because <laughs> that's probably the truth of what happens. <laughs> well, that's great. So what um, – and, you know, you bring up things like churches and that, you know, uh, you know you're know, you in Portland, I'm in Detroit, and we have a, just an abundance of abandoned buildings, but including churches. And when you first brought that up, when we first started talking – I was like, oh, yeah, that is a better way because you don't even – I don't think about the faith-based organizations that are – have less bodies in them than they used to and all of those things. How – let's pick out one of those. Um, has there been a, um, a church project or a faith-based project that um, you have started to work on and were they receptive to opening their doors for collaborative space? Yeah, I think churches are definitely asking the question, what can we do? Um, A lot of them are doing a great job um, in opening their doors. Um, As a matter of fact, the irony of everything is in my research, the very first project I worked on was with a church. And what I'm finding with churches is a lot of times they need to kind of reorganize how they use their own space even from their own organization so for this particular church we went in and just reorganized how their staff functioned 
we put their mm. staff in a collaborative space and they became more collaborative. And so it seemed like almost that created this domino effect uh, for how the the church function. It's really super fun to see now, you know, four years later that it really did have, it, it moved that culture completely. Yeah. I like to think a good part of it was just how they had to function even within their staff. Um, there are other churches that are doing such a great job that I haven't been a part of, but I've been, um, created partnerships with that even before me there is one in Cincinnati um, and these are business people who who came together and said we want to build an accelerator um, we're using our empty foyer space for startups to just come and drop in an office and then they realized there was a pool of mentor style business people in their faith community who could actually give back to these startups. Mentorship started to happen, and next thing you know, they're doing this accelerator that is thriving. They're doing great, great work. And I know that people are applying from all over the U.S. to go into their accelerator program. And so there is this um, impact that's beyond their community it's around the United States because hopefully the people who graduate from that program will then take that back to their state and, and take their business and hopefully their business will thrive as a result of their experience there. That's that uh, accelerator called ocean in Cincinnati. And, and transitioning just a little bit here, your hubby is a part, is, is he your full partner or has he been just kind of looped in as you were, or was he part of this vision <laughs> initially? I mean, I think our spouses always end up, whether they like it or not, <laughs> they end up involved to some extent. But um, how did that uh, come to be, That he his involvement? Of course. Yeah, Sergio is, um, he's an amazing first human, and I I enjoy, we work really well together. Um, he's a creative, he's a designer at Nike. And so because of him, I really believe he's kind of over 27 years, he's really developed the creative side of me. He, and so when we enter space, he is a co-founder. He did all of the research, every one of the trip research trips he was a part of. We would go and interview people, um, I would say the nonprofit work I did, boots on the ground, a lot of that particular work he couldn't do because he he works at Nike. Uh, he's a director there. But the beautiful thing is we complement each other. So, you know, a couple of years ago when I walk into a historic home in Nashville and it, it the building is historic, but it used to be used as a medical facility immediately as a creator he's just his brain sees and designs things on the spot and the story that could be told uh from the medical building that now is healing you know communities that feel broken and how can we create that story and so that it's just super fun to work with him 
Um, I'm the principal. I do the consulting work because I don't already have a full-time job. <laughs> right. But he has a heavy influence on the design, the, all that things can be, and then even in the community of people that I can refer to to ask questions and bring on to projects. It's super fun. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. It's always better to have uh, have partnerships in always, right? <laughs> Yes, it is. It's really good. So what's on the horizon for Link to Lift as you see, you know, it's it's hard to project into the future, but sometimes there's a truth of what we all see at this moment. I call it the truth of the moment. Like if you could dream out with the fact pattern that you see forming right now for Link to Lift, what could this grow into or what do you envision for your your company That's a good question because I believe what I have, the vision I have is probably twofold. Of course, I have, um, I want to say it leads with the vision that I would like to see every shared space in the United States have a portion dedicated to common good. And so that part of my vision is is led by the heart. I believe economic development is great. We can create jobs, but there is a reason that people can't get to work sometimes, and um, having a portion of every space dedicated towards that nonprofit collaboration, I think help will help prepare and equip people to to jump those hurdles um, so that they can work and do the things that are going to impact communities in a positive way. So that's just that's like the big that's the big ask. Every day we kind of filter through, am I a part of that story? And then on the horizon, um, practically speaking, I just there's, I think this is a conservative number. There's 27 million square feet of shared space reported just this year. I have a lot of space that I can work with. So we're casting vision. We are um, developing um, a DIY toolkit so that the Common Good Collaborator can get in the hands of people who don't have a budget. Um, Inspiring people, we have colleges, commercial properties, economic developers, inviting us into conversations saying, okay, you know, help be a think partner, which is very exciting. Um, I would say that's enough to keep me busy right there. Of course, we look at getting written materials out to into people's hands so right away they can take a couple steps into getting the right people into a conversation yeah and that's powerful and just and just to clarify for the listening audience will you define for us sherry will you define this term shared space because i think everyone might be swinging from an empty space to a space that's occupied by maybe a corporation or a church that has a little unused area, or is it already a co-working space? Would you define, from your perspective, shared space, what you mean when you say that? I'm I'm so glad you asked me that question because um, when I use the word co-working space, there's kind of this identity that is tied with that. And part of what I feel I'm called to do is to help people rethink the space around them. So if every one of us just today, in in our actions today, we looked around, we would find 
space that could be shared and we would not have thought of it as a potential for a collaborative space. And so I'm using the word share space to catch people's attention. A shared space could be a retail mall where the developer needs to rethink how that space works. It can be an, an old high school like in Detroit. It can be an old warehouse. I mean, U.S. Digital has a commercial property where it was an old warehouse that when the owner, David Medora, thought about his space, he realized he could dedicate this entire warehouse. And now there's 48 nonprofits that co-work in Washington, in Vancouver, Washington. Mm. So, you know, shared space is anything that can be shared. There's There's a gentleman in in Oregon that has just four desks, but they were four unused desks. And so he has a very small, but I believe mighty co-working space. And so shared space is anything where thanks to technology, it's being underutilized and has potential to be shared. Okay. So I just wanted to push on that. Thank you for that. Because when you say the 27 million square feet of that could be potential space that's not used yet that you could get busy <laughs> helping others reconnect as human beings, right? Right. And I believe I believe that data came out in February and that data is so conservative. Mm-hmm. I believe that stat is completely it's only twenty major cities in the United States and it's probably focusing on literal co-working space, co-maker spaces, you know, spaces that are really clearly defined already as co-working. So in my mind, if we took a tenth of those that are already defined, imagine all of those that are not already defined. I mean, this is really the biggest asset we have, even over cash, is this space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a huge resource, and it's interesting that people, you can default to doing things with technology as business people and working virtually, but it causes this separation, of course, and isolation, and there's just, I I don't know how you'd make some argument for this, but there's just some sort of argument in my Rami opinion only, (laughs) that when you get people together with eyeball time, uh, there's just something precious that happens in, with that eyeball time together that you can collaborate better. Uh, like you and I right now, we're talking over the phone. I'd rather be in person with you because I feel like this interview would be so much richer. <laughs> but it's, but it's, um, right. but we're not able to do that at this second. But hopefully soon. <laughs> but my point yeah. is, is that um, there's just something that happens, and I don't know how you quantify or measure that resource of in-person time, but there's something incredible that happens when people are together. And often I just feel that that, whatever that is, that measure is, and maybe it's undefined, that is minimized as a treasure or as a resource. And so, I don't know, just throwing out my Rami, Rami thought <laughs> into the mix there, but right. it's precious. Right, and you're you're onto something because one thing I wrote, uh, you know, I you can imagine I have these notebooks of writings, and one thing I wrote, the irony of everything, what you just said, is that technology gave us freedom, 
technology took us out of the building. I can work in a coffee shop. I can work on vacation, which I shouldn't, but I could, I can work anywhere and I can have a virtual assistant who lives in Alabama, even though I'm in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. But we as human beings have a need to be in community, which is, which is very interesting. So we emptied our buildings and now we're refilling them, but we're reordering how we use them. Right. Right. The irony of it is that we wanted to be cutlers to do our own thing, but but we realize when I'm only by myself, I I don't have as much impact. And, right. And my 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 business can't thrive. Ultimately, I have to have face to face time. So what I believe these shared spaces do is they they're kind of the best of both worlds. They give us the opportunity to take advantage of technology to thrive in new ways, but we have to respond likewise um, to being in community in new ways. Yeah. And to be very honest, the next generation leader, the millennial, the Gen Z, this is the only way they've ever known. This is how they grew up. Right. Right. And so if we don't respond in the same way, then we kind of ask ourselves, will our business sustain? Will that thing that we care about sustain the next 10 to 15 years if the next generation leader thinks completely different and their workflow is different we we have it's like we're i feel like we're at this point where we have to address our workflow it can't just be all in our buildings and it can't just be all remote with technology it there has to be kind of a, a merger where we get a fair amount of face-to-face and a fair amount of freedom. Yeah, that's uh, well said. I feel like this is really the exciting part about what you're doing, um, innovating and designing in this space. And and you have the benefit of being in a place of observation as you bring people together in these collaborative ways because you get to see it happening live (laughs) and be our thought leader and tell the rest of us how it's going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so great <laughs> well, well I really appreciate still it so young. yeah we're still so young we're just getting started we have so much to learn so thank you for being the voice for for being the microphone really uh, well we're we're I think we're all learning how to fly the plane while we build it while it's in the air <laughs> it's just the nature of what's going on right now which is Again, exciting and terrifying and wonderful all wrapped up into one. Well, how would others um, reach out to you? Let's give them the website again and uh, any other social media, any potential contact information. Yeah, I would I would say the website is the best. Link to Lift, it's L-I-N-K number two, lift, L-I-F-T dot com. That's the reason I say that because you can fill out an interest form and it'll it'll get to my team and that's really the best way you can schedule a thirty minute you know complimentary time where we can just talk about what it is that you are interested in. I would say also fun things are just Instagram following us on Instagram because you get to see pictures. Uh, LinkedIn, of course, articles, uh, Medium, writing articles. So just keying in link to list is the best way. 
okay. to stay connected with my team. Yeah. All right. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. And uh, we look to stay in the loop with you and uh, follow your progress from season to season and keep learning from you. And, hey, to our listeners, we're going to put lots of these links in the show notes. So we'll put some additional links that Sherry's provided for us to videos and um, other other resources for you. So thanks again, Sherry, and we'll follow up soon. Thank you, Rami. It was my pleasure. Well, thanks a bunch, Sherry, for all of your transparency and big dreams. Okay, it's that time again. Time for some music from Detroit. This music is provided to us courtesy of our friends at Assemble Sound in Detroit. Here are the infatuations and their song, Blame It On You. Enjoy this great song, and until next time, keep those bonfires burning. <laughs>